Season 4, Episode 9, recorded August 12, 2019. What is up, SMU fans? I, I, you probably forgot about us by now. This is this is Brent Sherman right here, and we got... And this is Kyle Snyder, and Hilltop Hoops is not dead. It is... I think it's almost been literally six months since we last recorded. Um, we actually... We still had games left last time we recorded, and I, that's my fault. That's my fault, at least uh, again back then. I had a jury trial up in Texarkana uh, at the very end of the season. And let's be real, the season was over before our last podcast episode. Yeah, I think the the cadence of the podcast towards the end of last season really mirrored the sentiment of the fan base in the sense that we all knew it was a, another lost season, uh, second one in a row. And yes, there was a nice finish there with the, the win on the road at USF to wrap up the regular season, and then you got a win in the conference tournament. But we all saw the writing on the wall. The season ended without a lot of fanfare. And uh, I, I I enjoyed the offseason. I, I enjoyed that spring and summer, uh, wandering the Australian outback, uh, thinking of ways to... No, I, I was not... I'm kidding. Not wandering the Australian outback. Um, more like staying busy at work. My brother got married in June, so that was a big deal for our family. My son has been going to some summer camps. But uh, I definitely enjoyed the spring and summer away from thinking about SMU basketball, but uh, the podcast was in the back of my mind, just thinking about the next episode and the next season and getting this going again. So glad to be back. So you were just chilling until the next episode, basically, for six months? Chilling until the next episode, yes. Yeah, well, Elliot's been busy too. Elliot's been on the road with me on the speaker circuit. Uh, We've actually been across Texas so far giving our new talk called What Kanye Can Teach Us About Litigation. Yeah, you heard me correct, Kyle. You heard me correct. So I handled the legal aspect of it, and uh, Elliot just really, he's the storyteller and amateur Kanye historian, just dropping knowledge on people who didn't know they needed it. So so we, we spoke in uh, Fort Worth and Austin and looking to go in other places around the country, and we'll see what happens. Excuse to have some fun, right? Brent and Elliot, quite the duo, the, the Kanye historians. There we go. So amateur for now. Just, just wait, though. Wait till the next episode. So... We're going to cover things at a, at a high level here. This is not our season preview. Um, that'll come later. But, I mean, <laughs> a lot of things have happened in the last six months, so let's just get at it. Yeah, lightning round here on the the big stories of, of the offseason. And there were a lot. And, and there are a lot of, of interesting questions and narratives going into the 2019-2020 season. Truth. Let's start with some conference news. Uh, UConn, they gone. See, we need the Mark Cuban drop here. The, oh, too bad. That's what we need right there. I think we're all okay with that. Just go whine in another conference. Yeah, a, a lot of this was, you could see the writing on the wall that um, their fan base, their alumni base was pining for the Big East. And I, I say that with the thought that it's a version of the Big East that really no longer exists. Right. But the conference name is still there, and they feel like it is in their best interest. Their glory days were in the Big East as a basketball school, and they're essentially sacrificing their football program to do this because their football program, program, because their football program is going to have to compete now as an independent, or their football program is still searching for a home. I know the American 
with the idea that they could be a football program in the American, but not have the rest of their programs pretty much told them that was not well, an option. And then also their basketball programs have to compete just to be relevant. I mean, if you just look at the last several years, they have been struggling in what they would think is a crappy conference. So, yeah. And that's where I think the disconnect for me with the UConn fan base is if, if you have so much history and you have all this great uh, selling points with multiple national championships and a nationally relevant program and, and why the, the American was not the reason why your program was struggling. As we have talked about on here before, Kevin Ollie had recruited really well, just could not get the X's and O's right. And their, their new coach, Dan Hurley, tough first season. So yeah, it remains to be seen uh, how competitive they will be in the new reincarnated version of the Big East. And we'll get one chance to see him. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, also, assistant coach Sean Forrest, gone. Uh, not much uh, publicity about that, but it's a fact. Not Yeah, not much. And he there, there weren't a lot of storylines in the offseason with respect to recruiting or uh, anything Coach Forrest was doing. There were so, some unofficial storylines on Twitter. Yeah, unofficial storylines and, and just some, some rumors and hearsay. But uh, bottom line for the program, Sean Stout, who was the director of operations, had been uh, had been doing some recruiting in the offseason, but uh, still waiting for Tim Jankovic to name a permanent replacement for Coach Forrest. TBD. So the schedule, we got a little piece of the schedule. Um, so far, we know we're at UNLV, which would have been great decades ago uh november 23rd uh a little bit before thanksgiving we got a home game versus georgetown looking forward to that that'll be cool that'll be also would have been great decades ago hey it's could be worse kyle but yes <laughs> at georgia december 20th and at vanderbilt january 4th woohoo and you, know, you look at this and yeah these are our programs that all have name recognition and i gotta say these uh, las vegas athens georgia and nashville those are all great road trips. I, I'm going to look at my calendar and see if any of those are going to work for oh, me. Oh, you're going to make something work, Kyle. Yeah, those those are all awesome destinations. So yeah, I, I'm, I hope I'm a make lot that. of SMU fans will make the trip. I'll but, make the Georgetown game. But if you look at all of the... If you look at those programs, their records, their recent history, they, they really don't move the needle in a way that uh, USC did a couple years ago or Michigan or some of the the non-conference uh, circuits that SMU had in the Larry Brown era. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, but, but I think that's the way that you have to schedule now, because I think after last season, the fan base, practically everyone associated with SMU basketball was demanding uh, better games, better teams. And they, they delivered to an extent. I think, I think these are going to be good games and, and playing SEC programs and, Mountain West programs, Big East programs. That's that's definitely a step up from last year, but it's an improvement. Yeah, but it'd be but. really nice to get another uh, big time, nationally ranked program on there. And I realize that's easier said than done, but I, I'm I'm excited. I'm certainly much more excited for this non conference schedule than I was at this point last year. Definitely, but one difference from last year, we got no TCU game scheduled. Yeah, that's tough. It's hard to wrap my head around that, and uh, don't know who's to blame there. But the TCU series is on hold for now. All right, so for a conference, like I said, we don't know the dates yet, but um, this this really hurts our, our strength of schedule, I think. So we, we have uh, Cincinnati, we're only playing them once, and that is going to be an away game. Same for Tulsa. UConn, we only get one game against them, home game. That's not going to hurt our strength of schedule, but it's fun playing UConn right now. Still and, haven't won at Moody. Yeah, last one at Moody. They haven't won yet. And then Wichita State, home only. So I'm glad we get them home. 
Um, but that really hurts your your strength schedule. Not getting Wichita State twice, not getting Cincy twice, and then maybe Tulsa, depending on how they you know how it pan out at the end of the year. Uh, so everyone else gets to play twice. I am super pumped. Um, we get to see a Memphis game in Moody, and that's. I'm not trying to be negative, Kyle, but I'm pumped in the way that, like, in the 90s, we went to Mavs game. Like, you're pumped to see who the visiting team is. Or I think maybe the better analogy is you were pumped during the Matt Doherty era to see Memphis come in with guys like Tyreek Evans and Derrick Rose. And they used to sell out. The one time Old (laughs) Moody would sell out in the pre-Larry Brown era was when those John Calipari Memphis teams uh, came to town. And... You'll see it this year in the roster that Penny Hardaway has assembled. It's essentially the 2019 version of the Fab Five. Oh my gosh, yeah. So we're not even talking bad about the team. I think anyone should be looking forward to seeing Memphis play live because uh, you're going to see some future NBA talent. Exactly. And and we're going to get to a roster breakdown here shortly of uh, a lot of the the situations on SMU's roster. But if, if you look at how the conference is shaping up next season... It just, I, I think the SMU will definitely have more talent and, and better pieces to work with, obviously, mm-hmm. now with a full roster. But the rest of the conference has also improved uh, to a large extent. Memphis is going to be a top 25 team, arguably top 10, if everything comes together the way it should for them. Houston is going to be extremely competitive again. Wichita oh, yeah. State, very good. Uh, Temple, new coach, but a lot of good pieces there, too. Uh, USF and UCF will be competitive. So yes, SMU has upgraded the talent, but I, I just look at the rest of the conference and okay, maybe SMU goes from the seventh or eighth best team in the conference to the fourth to sixth best team in the conference at best. That's assuming everything works the way that the SMU coaching staff and the program think it's going to work. So there's a lot to be seen, and we will hopefully uh, have a nice showing at Dickey's Arena for the AAC championship over in Fort Worth. Now, I do like that, because that's that's drivable. You can make a day out of it. I'll, uh, or, y- or several days. Or we'll several see how it days, goes, man. Fort Worth. Uh, but yeah, very, very good conference tournament location for SMU fans. Um, should be interesting. I, I have never been to that arena, so I, I understand it's new, and um, hopefully Fort Worth puts on a good show for the conference tournament. I'm sure they will. So the roster, it's there. This roster has a lot of turnover. This reminds me of the post twenty eleven Mavs, and so like so we had um, I think half season tickets back then. My wife and I did back before things got crazy with with kids and everything. But uh, it was at, at the beginning of the season. We go there, and my wife would be like, "Who's that? Who's that? Wait, who's that? Where's so and so? Oh, they're not here. Who's?" Th-? Just confusion because they have all these new players, and so let's just kind of go through slot by slot, and we'll talk about them. So Jimmy Witt. He gone. He went to Arkansas. Um, I think we say Musselman's done an amazing job at recruiting transfers this offseason. Yeah, new new coach at Arkansas and Jimmy Witt, the the prodigal son for the Hogs, returning to uh, where he was freshman year, uh, has one year of eligibility left, and I just think for him it was about what is what is my best chance to make the NCAA tournament and uh, play at the highest level. So uh, wishing him all the best. And, For sure. Uh, yeah, should be interesting to see how that Arkansas team does. I, I think very highly of Eric Musselman as a coach. I think uh, I think he's a good coach, and I think Arkansas got uh, got a really good hire there. So um, be interesting to see how he how that shapes up. S- back to SMU's roster uh, once again. I feel like we we've said this every year with the, between the turnover and the scholarship limitations, but. 
there are more unknowns than knowns going into the 2019-2020 season. And I'm really interested to see how this pans out. I mean, it's you know, it's a cliche almost, but you guys see how the chemistry pans out too because these people have not played together in competitive games. Let's start out number zero, Tyson Jolly, 6'4 guard. He's a JUCO from Trinity Valley uh, Community College, and he's a three-star, and he was the number one point guard in JUCO. This is a great get in the offseason. Yeah, I would argue this is the biggest offseason pickup for SMU. Tyson Jolly originally committed to Baylor out of high school, uh, redshirted his freshman year, then appeared in 20 games during the 2016-2017 season, uh, limited minutes, so decided to go the the JUCO route and uh, hit the reset button on his college career. And uh, very coveted, obviously, being the, the number one point guard in all of junior college basketball. Uh, very talented guy, obviously, and uh, should be a plug-in, uh, immediately eligible, should be a plug-in starter right away. Cannot wait to see what happens there. Number one, Ferran Hunt. He's that dude, man. The He's Ferran the Hunt dude. hype train picks up speed. Uh, really saw Ferran come on at the end of the season. Uh, just uh, a guy that has a very high ceiling and really started to figure it out. Worked his way into the starting lineup uh, in the back half of the 2018-2019 season. And yeah, just could not be more excited to see what he brings to the team uh, this season. It's going to be so good. Number two, Darius McNeil, 6'3 guard, transfer from Cal. He was a three-star going into college. Also, we'll see what happens with eligibility. We're still pending on that. Yeah, still pending the appeal. Darius McNeil is from Texas. I believe he's from Houston. So he's trying to appeal, uh, get a hardship waiver to play right away after Cal fired their coach. And he uh, transferred closer to home. So... Uh, to be determined there, uh, obviously, every, everything you read says the staff is optimistic that it's going to get approved, but of course they're going to say I'll that. i say, what else are they going to say? Yeah. So I'll believe it when I see it, but, but Darius McNeil's a, a very talented player on a Cal team last season that, that did not do very well in the Pac-10, so, or Pac-12, excuse me. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with the appeal, but uh, he'll have a couple years of eligibility left and another good transfer addition. Uh, for SMU, excited to see him play as well. Speaking of good transfer additions, we got Kendrick Davis, number three. He's a 5'11 guard, transfer from TCU. He was a three-star going into there uh, with a nice rating, but then we'll see what happens as far as eligibility. Yeah, the, my understanding is the story on him was that Jamie Dixon effectively said, we, we don't have a scholarship for you anymore. We don't have a roster spot for you, whether it's because he wasn't playing up to expectations or... Maybe there were some other issues off the court, but uh, yeah, he opened up his uh, transfer recruitments and and, and landed at SMU. So uh, this this appeal to me is a little bit less likely. Not to say it's not going to happen. You you just you just don't know with the way these appeals work with the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, excited to have him. Obviously, a guy that was a Big Twelve caliber recruit out of high school, and um, n- another good add depending on whenever uh, whenever he's eligible. Number four, Charles Smith the fourth, a six-five guard. He's a freshman, three-star. He's coming in here at ranked at number three oh four nationally. Yeah, and another former Cal commit. So uh, obviously getting guys the the fallout from Cal making the coaching change, and Charles Smith ends up at SMU. Good job getting him. So number five, Emmanuel Bandamel. Is that right? How you say Bandamel? Yes. Okay, so he is a six-four guard from Hill College, JUCO, and he's out of Quebec City, Quebec. Rep in Canada. Probably speaks good French. Better than me or you. He was the number four shooting guard in JUCO. Uh, it was, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm interested to see how he plays. Yeah, a, a bit of an unknown quantity. Yeah, and, right. And um, 
yeah, again, it'll be interesting to see, is he a guy who can contribute right away? Is he uh, someone who can give you spot minutes off the bench? It's just, th- this is the, the hardest thing that, that I've had is, is that the past couple of years, now that there are a full complement of scholarships, you, you can roll the dice on a guy like mm-hmm. this coming out of JUCO that maybe was under-recruited or just did not have the exposure of uh, some of the other prospects out of high school. So, so we'll see. I, I'm not expecting, I, honestly, with, with him and with Darius McBride, who we'll talk about in a few minutes. Just no e- take a flyer. Yeah, just take a flyer. No expectations. They are they're the type that, again, with good development and, and good structure could turn into something good, but we'll see. Well, as long as they stay healthy, Jank can't com- just complain about not having enough people to practice, right? I mean, that's at least if they could just serve that purpose. Those excuses are gone. They better be. There's a full roster. <laughs> Number 12, Wilfong warning. Get ready for that in the end of the games. Number 13, C.J. White. Uh, let's see if his game can develop, progress a little bit. Yeah, C.J. White, end of the bench guy, but uh, had had flashes. I, I think yeah. he he's somebody who is a four-year guy that can, can contribute. Just not sure he's a starter or a high-level guy in, in Division One. Well, let's get him to be a solid role player. Exactly. And we can work with that. I mean... Yeah, I, I think his ceiling is is like a Ryan Manuel, um, maybe with a little bit of a better of an outside shot. Mm-hmm. But uh, obviously, Ryan Manuel is a tremendous athlete. I don't think C.J. White is the athlete that Ryan Manuel was, but he can be that type of guy, like a sixth or seventh man on a really good team uh, at his peak. We'll take it. And and so just kind of confused what happened last year with number 14, William Douglas. Uh, just a weird, a weird run for him so far. I, this is tough because I, I think Will Douglas is one of those guys who obviously had a lot of hype coming mm-hmm. out of high school, but that's the rating system. That's the rating system, and and this happens where they just their game does not translate to the Division One level. I I have not seen anything out of Will Douglas these first two seasons to indicate that uh, he's going to contribute meaningfully to SMU. And fr- from all I've heard, he's a really solid guy. And really good teammate, but I just I don't see where he fits in in this rotation, especially if the appeals on these transfers get approved, and yeah. then you add these guys in. I mean, those guys are all slotted to me, slotted ahead of Will Douglas on the depth chart, pending the ability to play. This pending year. appeals. Number fifteen, Isaiah Mike Jr. from Scarborough, Ontario, and he put together some nice multi-game stretches last year, and then really developed his three-point shot as well. Yeah, I think I think Isaiah Mike. I, I I like the Isaiah Mike, Ferran Hunt, Ethan Shagwa front court. We're going to talk about Whoop. that in a minute, but I think all three of those guys, you really saw a good complementary skill sets amongst the three of them. I think all three of them bring something a little bit different. I'd like to see Isaiah get get a little bit more of a of a physical inside game, maybe like a Jordan Tolbert type back to the basket be, game. Be I careful know throwing can, that name around, man. Yeah, JT was such a beast, but but I think Isaiah's got a great outside shot. Uh, again, good good teammates, just good good leader on the roster, and and really just want to see him with two years of eligibility remaining, um, really make a jump between his sophomore and junior season. Yeah, can't we talk about what that Canada game will do for us? We'll talk about that. We're a little tease. We'll talk about it next at the end of the episode. Go Raptors! Number twenty, Grant Youngkin, six three guard transfer from Rice. I know Kyle's watched all the tape on Grant, so you can just just run it down real quick for me. Yeah, he sat out last season, but uh, again, another. Now that you've got a full roster here, um, we'll, we'll see if he he brings anything. Probably more of a 
of a walk-on end of the yeah, bench I guy. Think so. But uh, yeah, sh- should be interesting. Jamar Young Jr. I, contrary to a lot of opinions, I. I think Jamar Young Jr. has a much higher ceiling than what we're seeing. He's got an NBA body. Controversial take. Maybe controversial, but you, you can't coach a guy with his size and right. his his reach. I mean, his wingspan. He just needs to to add a little bit of weight to his frame and just, just adjust. But again, he's a project. He's a guy that, that might not be really a, a meaningful contributor, but... You get him for Again, four years, though. You get him for four years. You develop him, and I really think his his ceiling is much higher than what we saw last season. Number twenty two, Isaiah JC. You got a six ten transfer out of A and M, three star out of high school. Obviously, didn't get much PT down at College Station. Right, and he'll be eligible in December, a, a second semester mm-hmm. transfer ad. And yeah, really a, a, a true big guy. Just excited to see what he can bring. Uh, with his size and, and his skill sets and uh, someone that transferred. He, he transferred in the middle of last season, so been in the program for a little while now and uh, will be eligible in December. And shout out to Miss JC, his mom. I know you're listening. We know you're listening. Number 23, Alex Tabor. Is it Tabor or Tabor? T- Tabor? Tabor. Tabor. Haven't looked. Okay. Well, uh, I'm not, I, I won't But he's a yet. junior. We can ask his dad. 6'2", guard freshman from Charlotte. I haven't watched tape on him, Alex. I cannot wait to see you. Is that is that Charlotte, his hometown, or Charlotte, the University of... No, he's, he's a freshman. Freshman from Charlotte. Okay, yeah. got it. True fresh. 24, Everett Ray. What's going on, man? We haven't, we haven't seen him in a while. He's been injured. He's been... Injured. Dressing up and then injured. Re-injured. Yeah. Re-injured again. I, we are... Everything coming out of the program says he's healthy. He's again, ready to go. What are you going to... I mean... Yeah, he. This was frustrating because I I felt like he showed a lot of promise. I saw some good stretches in the limited playing time he got as a freshman. Limited. But again, another guy whose whose frame and physicality is right for Division One. Just the biggest thing is just just show me you can stay healthy. Yeah. And and contribute. Twenty five. Ethan Shagwa. Let's make it rain. Let's let's go back to to pre flu Ethan this year. That's what I want to see. Yeah, just uh, so was that many... Tulane? Was that Tulane last year? Tulane. That the, was the, the turning yeah, the, point. The, the, that was the turning point for for Ethan. But uh, just continuing to see him, he, we know he can shoulder the scoring load. Mm-hmm. We know he he can pick and pop and shoot the three, and got a lot better at the end of the season attacking the basket and finishing at the rim. So again, here's another like Isaiah Mike, sophomore to junior year. Let's see you make the jump. Let's see you. Can you be all conference? Can you be someone who is the focal point of opponents scouting reports? Like they have to game plan to stop you because you have such a diverse skill set and so many ways you can beat the other teams. And they, they beat, they bulked him up last year too. So, I mean, we, we, he's got the frame. Yeah, they did. And he's, and and Ethan's very talented and two years under his belt now, just, I, I think there's, there's a lot he can do. Let's just see if he can step up and and really be the guy this season as opposed to a guy. In oh, the I can't. Oh, I can't. I'm getting so excited for the season. Number 33, Darius McBride, six four guard out of Austin Westlake High School, three star and ranked four fifteen nationally. Yeah, another guy who is a project who's just again somebody you take and and you develop and and maybe he's a late bloomer, uh, not highly recruited out of high school, so. Uh, yeah, to be determined there too. 
Final note on the roster is that Bryce Cook, uh, who was the Everyone knows his five story, foot right? nine point guard out of Wichita, Kansas, uh, really unfortunate, suffered a stroke uh, during a game in his senior year of high school. Game or practice, uh, at some point during his senior season, had a really, uh, really difficult uh, oh, medical road. That's an so, yeah. not on the roster at the time of this recording, but the entire SMU community just wishes him a. A, a good recovery and whether he can even play basketball again is uh, remains to be seen. But uh, if he ends up at SMU, obviously you want him to be part of the team, get his degree. Uh, sounds like the staff and the athletic department are handling that fairly well. And, and we'll see what happens there. So the knowns, like you said, we have a strong front court. We got Mike Hunt and Shaggy um, that's been playing together for a year. And that, that better be our biggest strength. If it's not a big strength, we're in trouble. Exactly. I think really these three guys are, are going to have to carry the load with the the guards, whoever the guards are, are going to be new. Uh, but like we said earlier, Tyson Jolly, really the, the biggest pickup of the offseason, mm-hmm. highly ranked junior college player, and let's see him develop a, a rapport with each of the big men, with uh, with Isaiah Mike, Ethan Chagua, and Ferran Hunt. Uh, so th- that's really the only two things that I think SMU fans can go into the season saying, this is what we know. Let's go over the unknowns now. How long do we have, Kyle? I mean, we got a lot of unknowns. Um, my mother-in-law asked me how we're going to be this year. I said, I don't know. We'll find out when we see these guys on the court. I've never seen these guys play live yet. We'll see. Yeah, and I think it's just such an interesting point because, the, the, let's be honest, the, the momentum from the Larry Brown era and even from 2016, 2016-2017 feels like 100 years ago. Oh, it man. just it just feels like it it was a distant memory and last year tim jankovic his fallback uh, excuse or line in the press conference was the injuries and the sanctions and don't don't grind my gears Kyle don't do it don't get my goat yeah there's just there's just every smu fan that that followed last season knows that i just i i'm just thinking ahead to if this team struggles out of the gate, it's going to be, well, this team has a lot of new faces and they haven't played together enough and we're still figuring out the right. I mean, there are going to be, it's, it's, it's once again, the narrative is that there is always something. And, and I, I, one thing that has irritated me about Tim Jankovic is I think he's as good of a storyteller as he is at times. I, I don't ever hear him selling the fan base or the community on the future or saying that, or being real introspective about my staff and I are going to go, go back to the drawing board and figure this out. I'll take them to church, man. He, he said that he said that in, in the fall of 2016. I remember after, Mm -hmm. after SMU had lost back to back games to Boise state and USC, but you know, when you have a roster that has Shake Milton and Sterling Brown and Ben Moore and Shemi Ojale and Jare Foster, when that's your starting five, yeah, it's easy to go tinker with those pieces mm-hmm. and find something that works. Now you have you have transfers and you have freshmen that are unproven and you have a couple of big men making the move from sophomore to you just you just have a lot of things that need to be stitched together in a way that will make you competitive in an increasingly difficult conference. Mm-hmm. And I just like you said, Brent, I I just I don't know that the staff and the program are up to the challenge. Kyle, I was so excited before we started this little segment. We were having a great show. What happened? 
I, I'm just I'm, I'm being honest. These are the things I thought about over the summer. This is That's, all of my yeah. my pent up uh, sort of mental conditioning with respect to how last season ended, how the off season went, and yeah, I mean I, I I'll be right there wanting and hoping for the best case scenario, but wanting and hoping is not necessarily, I, I want to see something at all levels of the SMU athletic department, something that says here is our plan to get back to championship level basketball. I don't know that I have seen that. That's a tall order. I should imagine Kyle laying in bed at night. is like, Oh, Jankovic, better not make an excuse about this. Oh, Rick Hart. Are you kidding me? Did you really tweet that yesterday? Oh my goodness. I don't get that into the, the minutia, but, but I think anybody who has been an SMU fan, uh, me, for me, it's been 16 years. There are a lot of you listening. Some of you have not had as much time around SMU as that. Some of you have had much longer, those are very fair and right questions to ask at this point. And we got a lot of other questions too we've addressed. Uh, we're going to have to cut it short because this episode has gone way, way long based on on what producer Elliot's telling us over there. So we have lots of questions. We have lots of people we've not seen play yet in an SMU jersey. Can they perform? Will they be allowed to play by the NCAA? Can Everett Ray stay healthy? Questions. Just a big list of questions that we're going to cover coming up on this next season. Season five. Wow. All right. Well, let's move on to some former player news. Uh, Nick Moore. Nick's having a nice career overseas. He's got a, a, a baby boy now. And a- and a gorgeous puppy. Yeah, and a puppy. And uh, splitting his time between Italy and France. There are a lot worse places you could be. But You uh, could be in Poland. Sign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick signed with a team in France this year. And uh, looking forward to following him. But Nick has been a great uh, ambassador for SMU. Mm-hmm. in his uh, his professional career so far. And uh, again, really grateful for the time he gave us uh, for that interview back in 2018 when he made his return to Moody. So uh, mm-hmm. just Check that episode to... out. You can watch those highlights on YouTube. Just so many great memories. Indeed. Uh, Cannon Cunningham hired as an assistant at Oklahoma State. Sweet. Pokes. Yeah, I, go Pokes. I, I, go Pokes. I, I think that's also because his brother is a top five or top ten recruit nationally in the class of 2020. Hey, get in if you can, man. And, and he's, I mean, he's a he was a baller, too. It's not just like that's the only reason he's in there. He's not one of those token hires. I mean, he he will help that program. Definitely. Would love to see Cannon uh, get, get a good coaching pedigree, come back to SMU at some point. And that was a, uh, it wasn't a dig at him, but but Goo got a deal. He's going to Poland, right? Is that Poland? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Goose. Goose. Somewhere nice over there in going. Eastern Europe. Uh, somewhere in Europe. But uh, yeah, would love to see him. Him uh, make an appearance at Moody. Uh, I've seen a few other former players, but uh, yeah, just be interesting to see who who comes back to the program in the next couple of years. So that is it for this episode, y'all. So we teased it earlier. Next episode, come check us out. We're doing our movie review, and it is all about Canada. You can go on Netflix, at least as of today, and you can check out the Carter effect. And it's the effect that Vince Carter had on the NBA, on basketball, on kids growing up in Canada, maybe kids who grew up in Canada and play on the SMU Mustangs right now. For all you busy people out there, the plus here, it's only one hour long. You have no excuse to not check it out. And we're going to talk about the next episode. Uh, Please, if you like what you hear, give us a positive review on the Apple Podcast app. You can also find us on SoundCloud. And shout out to my favorite character from Alligator Boots, Elliot Mayen on the ones and twos. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Whenever you're listening, however you're listening, thank you. We appreciate you. And let's talk Canada basketball in the next episode. See, we need the Mark Cuban drop here. The oh too bad.